This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Um, let's start with what's on the card you got. Did everybody get a card? Anybody not get a card that said, let's be great on it? Okay. Let's be great. So where does that come from? We'll put a quote up on the uh, screen that says... Somebody had to be great, why not me? Somebody had to be great, why not me? That quote was made by Deshaun Watson. He's the quarterback for the Houston Texans. I was watching the playoff game last night between the Texans and the Bills. And it went to overtime, and in overtime, um, Houston ended up with the ball. They end up in a fourth down, I think, in 12 situation. They have to get a first down to have a chance to either continue to move down the field or to attempt a field goal for the win. And on fourth down and 12, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, drops back. And Buffalo blitzes two guys, a linebacker from one side, a defensive back from the other side. They both reach him at about the same time, and they just nail him hard, straight on. Yeah. And you're thinking, bam, he's down. Ball turns over on downs to Buffalo. They're going to have a shot to win it now. These two guys hit him running full speed, one from here, one from here, and he staggers and rolls out, spins out of it, stays on his feet, scrambles to the right, and throws a pass to a guy who eludes a tackler and gets all the way down to the 10-yard line. Houston kicks a field goal and wins the game in overtime, playoff game. So in the post-game interview, the reporter asked Deshaun, said, how in the world did you not go down on that play? It was really, I mean, I've watched a lot of football in my life and seen a lot of fantastic plays, but this play in terms of his ability to stay on his feet and elude those tacklers was borders on unbelievable, really, that he got out of it and not only got out of it, but was able to make a play that ended up winning his team the game and advancing them in the playoffs. And he said... He said, well, I came in today to the locker room to get ready for the game, and I came in with a card for each player on our roster, and on the card I had written, let's be great. 
And he said, I put one of those cards in each of their lockers so that when the other players came in, they opened their lockers, they pull out a card from Deshaun that says, let's be great. Earlier in the game, I had noticed a player on their team, J.J. Watt, he's a phenomenal defensive player, was roaming up and down the sideline, screaming at his fellow teammates, let's be great. I thought, well, that's something I've, you know, never seen NFL player do. I mean, they exhort each other and encourage each other, but it's kind of a, a different phrase. I didn't know that's where he got this from. And then Deshaun Watson finished it up by saying, in that situation, he said, I just saw them coming. I knew the blitz was on. I knew I was going to get hit. And I just said to myself, you have to stay up. He said, in that moment, somebody had to be great. Why not me? Well, when he said that, it just hit me between the eyes because all week long and for a couple of weeks, and as we've been talking about faith family last week, announced we were going to talk about fitness and finance today, this statement really just sealed the deal for me. Somebody has to be great, why not me? And the problem that we have to deal with right at the outset is that some people don't feel like they can be great. They're like, well, here are my limitations. Here's my situation. Here's what life has done to me. Here's and they can list all the circumstances for you about why they cannot be great. And what we do when we start to agree with the idea that we cannot be great is we shake hands with the devil and say, congratulations, you win. The victory's yours. You get to do a cool post-game interview because you win. Anytime we pronounce that we are too weak, too incapable, too limited in whatever form or fashion, we shake hands with the devil and say congratulations. Because it, whether or not we can be great in terms of God's view of us, in terms of how God wants to use us and what He wants to do in and through us in our lives, has absolutely nothing to do with any limitation, with any problem, with any circumstance that we see going on in our lives right now. It has nothing to do with it. And here's why I can say that to you without hesitating at all. Don't we know that God already knows what our limitations are? Aren't we aware that He is very, very familiar with what's going on in our lives? He is not ignorant or blind to our circumstances, yet He calls every one of us to greatness. So two things. First of all, He's not going to call anybody to greatness unless greatness is possible. And secondly, He's not going to call anyone to greatness if it is true that greatness is not achievable for that person because of life's circumstances. Bottom line, answer to the problem, 
You and I are capable of greatness. And somebody has to be great in this world with all the nonsense that's going on, with all the trouble, with all the confusion. Somebody has to step up and be great. Why not me? Why not you? So let's lay aside obstacles, problems, difficulties, circumstances. Let's just push it aside and let's ask God today very honestly, very candidly, God, how do you want to make me great? All this stuff notwithstanding. How do you want to make me great? I know I can be great. So how do you want to make me great? So we have to deal with these topics of faith and family and fitness and finance. Well, Jeff, what in the world does... I get the faith part, right? The family part, well, yeah, sort of. What in the world does fitness have to do with my existence in the kingdom of God, with my life's purpose, with God making me great. What, what does fitness have to do with that? It has a, a lot to do with it, and we're going to get to that in a minute. And finance, of course, all of these things, like I said last week, are so intricately interwoven that you cannot separate one from the rest. You can't take your, your life, your health, your fitness, your physical well-being, and pluck it out from everything else in your life. You can't pluck that out from the fact that you're a believer, a Christian, a kingdom son or daughter, and separate that from anything else and have it stand on its own. You can't do that. Because everything is symptomatic of something else. Okay, so I'm going to take about two minutes and tap dance on your feelings. Okay? The condition of your home and your vehicle are symptomatic of other things in your life. The condition of your finances are symptomatic of other things in your life. If you feel like your daily world is hectic and disorganized and always you're chasing down something, that's symptomatic of bigger issues in your life. See, those things are not the problem. They are symptoms of a problem. I could go way further and way deeper, but then some people in the room are going to say, man, he's really just scalding me. And we know that some things are symptoms. For example, addiction. So addiction is an extreme example. Okay? It's an extreme example. But anybody who's ever studied anything related to addiction or been in addiction counseling or been in a, a group, AA or NA or something like that, Celebrate Recovery, they, they know already, they've been taught, that your addiction is not your problem. 
Your addiction is a symptom of your problem. You've got something down inside of you. There is a root down in there that has grown in you that started somewhere through some situation, through some issue in life, and it started to grow, and you developed an addiction as a result of that problem, but your addiction is not your problem. Your addiction is a symptom of your problem. Well, addiction is an extreme example. I, I, let me insert that I feel like it's entirely appropriate that we get very practical on the first Sunday of the new year, right? Y'all okay with that? So let's, let's leave addiction right there as the extreme example. And let's go to this. Hoarding. Is your home covered up in junk that you don't need, that you never touch? Are your closets piled floor to ceiling with a lot of unnecessary stuff? Is your basement, your attic, your storage building uh, the same way? Is your vehicle a rolling storage unit? That's a symptom of something, and I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not sure exactly what. But, but hoarding latching on to stuff listen i've got a cousin who was married for how long were they married 25 years and divorced and so family members his brothers and his dad went in to clean out his house because he's disabled he was thrown off a horse and broke his back and he's disabled so they went to help him clean out his house they tell horror stories the reason the marriage didn't work was because all this other stuff in their lives was so out of order that there was a design for disaster pronounced on the marriage long ago. They said there was a pathway wide enough for you to walk through going down the hallway and stacked up on the right and the left was boxes of junk magazines that were decades old just piled up. Every newspaper that had ever been thrown out into their yard piled up. Every piece of junk mail that had ever been delivered to their mailbox seemingly was on the kitchen counter, was in boxes, was in stacks here and stacks there. That's a disease or symptom of a disease. Things like that we need to evaluate not really about New Year's resolutions, but it is a good time for evaluation. And to say, listen, what's out of order in my life? What, and we've got to get down to the root of what's going on and deal with it. So it's very, very important to deal with these topics. So let's talk about faith for a second first, just as a review. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What a powerful piece of truth that is. What this says to us and suggests to us is this. That, if you pop that back up there, Briggs, so I can review a couple of lines. Without faith, we can't please God. But what we do is we try to replace God, and we try to replace faith in God with lots of other stuff. 
right? So our lives are not fulfilled unless we have this, unless this is that way. And then sometimes we just don't know what's going to fulfill our lives, so we just start adding stuff here and adding stuff there, and everything is without any real plan, without any real purpose. And all of a sudden our lives are just very chaotic and very disorganized and very loose. When what God wants us to do is simply to have tremendous faith that He is and that He's interested in us, that He will show up if we chase hard after Him, that our pursuit of Him will reveal to us who He is bit by bit and piece by piece. He will shine that light that we were talking about, that we were singing about. And faith will be all we need. But as I said a few minutes ago, it requires exercise. If you're going to improve strength in the physical body, you have to exercise. If you're going to get good at anything that you're not so good at, you're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to practice. It is a good thing. It's a productive thing to exercise your faith. That's been manipulated, it's been twisted, it's been perverted by people who, want, who see the kingdom of God as a way to raise money, to make money, to get rich. So they say, well, if you will exercise your faith by sending me a hundred bucks, then God's going to uh, give that back to you tenfold over the next ten months. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is in a real genuine serious, transparent way, just meeting with the Lord every morning and saying, hey, I believe that you are. I believe this day belongs to you. I believe I'm here to jump into the work that you're doing. I believe that if you call me, you'll resource me to do what you're calling me to do. I believe you have a purpose for my life. I believe you're going to give me daily bread. My entire world is built upon a foundation of faith in you, God. We must believe that He is. We must believe that He shows up as we walk in obedience to Him. Family. Talked about that last week and how it incorporates into the faith walk. Genesis 2, chapter, uh, verses 21 to 24 says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib He had taken out of the man, and He brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Out of man came woman. Out of woman comes children. It's God's design for family. It is perfect. It is beautiful. It's not to be tampered with. It's not to be adjusted. It's not to be tainted. It's not to be... Uh, in any way shaped other than the way God designed it. And when we do that, we, we move into the beauty of God's plan for our families. And brokenness comes here and there. And some of us have, you know, during our lifetimes, we've had family situations where things just blew up or, or, or things got broken or askew in some way. Hey, the same God who made man is capable of bringing healing and restoration 
If you're in your second marriage, he's capable of making your second marriage way better than your first marriage ever was or could have been. If you're in your third, well, we get into a conversation there about, well, you know, how appropriate is it for a person to be married multiple times? Well, I'm not going to be your counselor on that, but what I am going to tell you is this. Wherever you are in life, Whatever's going on with you, whatever mistakes you've made, those are under the blood of Jesus to the extent that you have submitted and put them there. And God now wants to take you from this moment forward into His perfect plan and purpose. So we can call that a tragedy, but how much more of a tragedy do we make it if we allow that to control and dominate the rest of this that's still to come. If we do that, we shake hands with the devil and say, congratulations, you win. Now let's get into fitness for a little bit. Nobody's leaving, that's a good sign. A couple of scriptures just to use as a foundation here. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Now that's probably the most common scripture that's used in terms of how we are to treat our bodies. You've heard me say in the past that the breath that's going in and out of your lungs is God's breath. What are you doing with God's breath? How are you using God's breath? Well, we can expand that to the whole body. The temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor God with your bodies. We love to Talk maybe about smoking, how terrible it is. Complete and utter mystery to me how we know what we know about smoking now and people still smoke. (laughs) I don't mean to offend anybody, but that blows my mind. You ride through the campus at Georgia Tech and at least... 50% of the students you see standing on the sidewalk will be smoking. There is some weird anomaly about young Asian students in America that they all smoke. It's weird. But, you know, smoking, again, it's kind of like addiction. Well, it is addiction. It's the extreme example If you smoke and you understand that you are at the temple of the Holy Spirit, then you need to evaluate. How can I treat the temple of the Holy Spirit like that? Okay, but I'm going to be the first one to tell you that smoking, excessively drinking alcohol, using drugs, all those things that we all know about, they're no worse than some of the other things we do to our temples, are they? Huh? Do we need to start talking about the way some of us eat? What some of us eat? 
Hey, I mean, uh, believe me, I'm not just talking to y'all. I'm talking to me too. Go into New Year and you pledge you're going to eat better and all that. Well, I got up yesterday morning and made French toast with some Italian bread that's got chocolate and, and pockets of vanilla cream in it. And you whip up the egg batter with um, whole milk and with heavy whipping cream and sugar. And then you dip that bread in it and then you cook it in butter and then you drench it in syrup, and then you sprinkle powdered sugar on it, and then you put... Yeah. It's like, I got done, and I was like, oh, no, I've used up my calories for this week. <laughs> you can do that sometimes. You can do that sometimes. It's okay to do that sometimes. It's just not okay to do that all the time. It's just not okay to live on potato chips and little Debbie cakes. It's just not okay. Hey, y'all, it's just not okay. It's, it's not okay to always eat the worst of everything just because it's cheap. And I know that we get into that, that, that situation where, you know, people who are living on fixed income or, or low income, you go to the grocery store and grocery prices are high. I mean, you got to deal with the uh, prices, right? You got to deal with the prices. Now, I don't really have a great answer for that, except to say that a bag of mini carrots costs a little bit less than a box of Little Debbie cakes. That much I can verify for you. There are things that can be done. We need to be serious and real about understanding that. And yes, we have the spiritual issue that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But don't we just want to live better lives? What are the possibilities of when you get to be in your 50s and 60s of really having a great physical life, being able to move around however you want to, go for walks, go hiking, you know, and get outdoors and enjoy things, not feel like you're going to pass out every time you walk outside when it's hot, you know, and, and, and to feel good, to be able to breathe well, to be able to sleep well. Well, guess what? If you're 25, what you're doing right now is going to have a whole heap to do with how you feel when you get there. It's not just that all of a sudden you get there and then just some stroke of luck, good or bad, falls on you and you're either going to feel good or not or you're going to be able to get around good or not or you're in good shape or not. No, what we're doing right now is going to determine what's going on with us when we get down there. So... As far as nutrition goes, I don't, you know, I'm reading a book called uh, Younger Next Year. It's for those of us who are pushing up against 60 years old. I'll be there in a couple years. And what you want that final third of your life to look like. And what I'm doing now is going to decide what all that's going to look like in five years and 10 years and 15 years. What do I want it to be like? 
And the person who wrote the book, there's two guys who write the book together. One's a doctor and one's just uh, a guy that went to see the doctor and they decided to write a book together. They say that dieting is stupid and that statistics show that 95% of the time dieting does not work. It either does not work because it doesn't produce the results that are promised or because it produces some results but the results are not lasting because most people won't stay on the diet. And when they come off of it, they're just going to balloon right back where they were. Right? Y'all are loving this. I can tell just by people's looks on their faces. They're like, man, this is awesome. Here's my advice to you. Quit eating garbage. And when you eat, eat less than you used to eat. Quit eating garbage. And when you eat, don't overeat. Because the number one reason for being overweight is overeating. The word over is in there on both sides. Okay? When you feel full, stop eating. Why do we keep eating? Because it tastes good. And because... There's still stuff on the plate, and we don't feel like we ought to waste that stuff. Do yourself a favor. Rake it off in the garbage can. Or wrap it up and put it in the refrigerator so that you can finish it up later. And I'm not talking about 30 minutes later. <laughs> the wife of Pastor Mount Gap Church in Pike County said one time when we were having dinner with them, when you feel full, you should stop eating and push the plate away. And I thought in my head, she needs to mind her own business. But as I look back now, she was absolutely right. The number one reason for being overweight is overeating. Stop eating garbage and stop eating so much. I don't know why, especially in America... That the food industry has decided they want to kill us. I'm thinking we used to go to a, a fast food place in Roanoke, Virginia when I was growing up called Kenny's Burger Place, like McDonald's. And the burgers were like that big. And the fries was like, a, you know, you get the little small order at McDonald's, a little paper thing. with. When you got a meal there, that's what it was, is a burger like that. And now, man, you go in... You go ahead and sit down in some of these places, you got to have a plate the size of that thing right there to put your hamburger on it. So, hey, it's not their fault just because they brought it and set it down in front of you. They can't make you eat it. They're not going to force feed it down your throat. You get the point. Exercise is the next part. Exercise. Well, Jeff, you know, I'm way past that. Are you? Don't place those kinds of limitations on yourself. Don't shake hands with the devil. There is something you can do. No matter how old you are, no matter your physical condition or status, there are things you can do to improve your physical fitness. If it is walking and you can only walk 
200 yards and back, that's better than nothing. If it is jogging, if it is lifting weights, you know, and really, doesn't matter, male, female, whatever age, you can get those little dumbbells, two and a half pounds, five pounds, seven and a half pounds, 10 pounds. You can sit, if you're watching TV, whatever you're doing, and you can just do this, you can do this, you can do this. All that is very, very good for you. Maintaining strength is very, very good for you, no matter how old you are. You can um, get up and put your TV on one of those music channels and just move. Just move. Y'all are aware that just moving is really good for you, right? It's good for your muscle tone. It's good for your cardio. It's good for your circulation. It is good for you in lots of ways. There are things you can do. I can't tell you individually what to do, but we all need to be doing something to maintain our fitness. So as it comes to nutrition, when, as it comes to exercise, these are all closely connected with our lives in the kingdom. So, Finances, Mark 12, 41 to 44 is a great little lesson when we're talking about finances. <clears throat> Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worthy, worth only a few cents. Calling, to his, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. A lot of cool lessons in, in those three verses, some of which are, it doesn't matter how much you have. Giving is not about how much you have. Giving is about faithfulness. Giving is about obedience. Giving is about being consistent. Give, giving is about discipline. If you are receiving from the ministry, if you are benefiting, if you are growing, if you are learning, if you are being blessed in any way, how could you, out of whatever small amount you have, not turn around and bless the ministry with something on a consistent basis? You have to, really, or it's symptomatic of something much, much deeper going on in your life. I don't uh, we, you know, we don't get legalistic about it. I rarely even talk about giving or money here. For one reason, it just don't work when I do it. Last Sunday, I said, hey, it's the last Sunday of the year. It's a good time to give extra end of the year giving. Uh, you know, think about that. Do something extra on your way. We had the lowest offering we had in the entire year of 2019. Literally had less than $500 in offering last week. So it don't work. I'm not, I'm not a good salesman. I'm not, good, not a good pitch person for all that. 
But we all need to know that giving is a major, major component in the kingdom life. Jesus gave this example to say to us, listen, your status in, in society doesn't matter. The amount of income you have doesn't matter. The question is, where's your heart? Where's your attitude? What's your perspective? How do you see money? And when you do consider giving, what's your motivation behind it? Is it uh, to relieve some guilt? Is it to get a tax break? Is it to, what, what is it? Is it to bless the ministry? Is it to, is it an act of obedience? Is it to bless the poor? A good, hearty, solid evaluation will do us good about where we are with our giving. Give consistently. This is my simple, basic instruction. Give consistently. Give generously. Give sacrificially. So on Mondays in my office in Atlanta, I get out my black book, which is my City of Refuge South financial book, and I record what came in, who gave what, because we're required to do that. Right? There's some people who are part of our fellowship here, some sitting in this room, that their, their block for the year is like this, and it's just completely full because they're so consistent. I don't pay any attention to the amounts, but I pay a lot of attention to the size of the block. It's like, man, it's beautiful when you see somebody that even out of their little, they're going to give something consistently, sacrificially, and it's generous from their world. And there are others who have a smaller block, and then unfortunately there are some folks who are a regular part of our thing here, their name's not even in the book. Listen, I don't have anything to lose, really. Everybody who has anything has a responsibility to give consistently, generously, whatever that means to you, and sacrificially. That should be our spec perspective and attitude. Okay, I've got to finish up quickly. So the four Fs, faith, family, fitness, and finance, are all very much interwoven. And here's a challenge I'm giving you. Okay? The 2020 challenge for 2020. That extra 20 is not a mistake. It's three 20s. Okay? 2020 challenge. You need to make a decision before you walk out of this room today. It's not something to debate and take a while to think and pray about it. You don't have to pray about this. If you want to know anything that's God's will, this is. You don't have to pray about it. So you're making a decision, either I'm all about being great, the kingdom of God, or I'm not, because it most certainly is God's will. One hour a day dedicated to being the best you can be in 2020. That's one hour broken down into three 20-minute segments. We're all busy. We all have plenty to do. But we can do this in 20-minute 
segments. Number one, 20 minutes per day dedicated to intense communion with God. That's where it starts. Mine's in the morning time, has been for a long time. First thing when I get up, make coffee, sit down, word, worship, prayer. Intense communion with God. First thing to start the day. I suggest it because you've got a day ahead of you. Okay? You get to the end of your day, if your days are anything like mine, that brain's wore out, you're tired, you can't do it like that. But you may be wired different. That may be better for you. I can't tell you what to do. But 20 minutes, that 20 minutes will start to pass so fast, you'll be like, wow, my 20 minutes is up already. So I can't do 20 minutes anymore. I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm sometimes an hour because I just can't do 20 minutes. Because that communion, that flow, communion between you and him is going to be so cool and so intense and so passionate that it's just like, man, I could stay here a while. A.W. Tozer is a person I read a lot of his works. I'm reading right now. Um, why can I never remember the name of this book? What is it, Jason? Knowledge of the Holy. And then we're studying Pursuit of God, a men's group. He wrote that too. Uh, another pastor came to see him one time and said, he knocked on the door, and it took Tozer a little bit to get to the door, and it's 2.30 in the afternoon. And um, Tozer finally comes to the door, and he looks, you know, like he's been emotional, and he's a little disheveled now. He says, oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. He said, he said, it's all right, come on in. And the guy said to him, he said, I know that this is a time you're probably studying and, and reading and getting into the Word. And Tozer said, no, not yet. He said, I started about 8.30 this morning, but I hadn't got through with worship yet. So I don't have all day every day that I can just dedicate in a, in a room for that, but my lifestyle should be communion with God. But it, has, it needs to start with a dedicated spot of time. 20 minutes a day. Number two, 20 minutes a day of intentional worship and service to others. You say, well, my worship is part of my communion with God. Well, we need to make it a separate 20 minutes. And the reason that this is worship and service to others is because... I think you're aware that worship and service are the same thing. Romans 12, one version of the Bible says uh, that we should present our bodies, ourselves to the Lord as living sacrifices, which is our reasonable service. Another version of, of the Bible says, which is our spiritual act of worship. And I dealt with that at one point in my life when I was studying. I said, well, which is it? Is it worship or is it service? And finally the answer came. The answer was yes. It's worship, it's service, because worship and service are the same thing. So if you pack up a meal and take it to the home of an elderly person, spend 10 minutes visiting with them, drop off the meal, that's worship and that service. Same time. Any act of goodness, any act of obedience to the Lord, any act of compassion, any act of tenderness, any act of forgiveness, any act of any way that you can bless people is an act of worship. And you can include 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes where you're just 
singing along with the radio in the car, worship song, and you're into it, and you're focused on the Lord, and that's worship. That can be included. But it needs to be 20 minutes per day intentionally worshiping and serving. And we don't get to the end of the day and say, oh, well, I didn't really dedicate that 20 minutes. Let's see. Well, I think what I did there at McDonald's where I allowed somebody to back out of their space in front of me uh, I can count that, and then, no, that's not the way it works. It's intentionally planning it out and doing it. And number three, here's a tough one, 20 minutes a day of intense physical exercise. It's just as spiritual as the rest of it, y'all. Just as spiritual as the rest of it. Why? Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we need to honor Him by giving Him a great place to live. I made a list of projects I want to do at my house. I'd love to do them all this year. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's like that long. Why? Because I want to have a great place to live and because I want when other people to come to my house for it to be a pr great place for them to come to. Right? Well, my body is the house of the Holy Spirit. Why would I pay more attention to that board and, and shingle and siding and whatever concrete structure that I live in to make sure it's a great place for me to live and a great place for other people to come than I would to this house where the Holy Spirit lives? Intense physical Exercise which can focus on cardio or it can focus on strength or it can focus on both. Now, Sully here works out. He's a fitness buff. I am volunteering him without him even knowing I'm volunteering him until now. That if you want somebody to give you some advice on how to take that first step and just start something to deal with your physical life, go talk to him. As a matter of fact, I'm sure he would love that. We have equipment in the gym now that can help you. And we have a treadmill in addition to the, the exercise things, equipment that he has. And we plan to add to that. I want to have a, a fitness center where people can come in and do all sorts of different things to address their physical lives. Is that cool or what? Is that cool? At City Refuge in Atlanta, we have a workout center. I'm guilty of not using it, but we have one. I'm figuring out, see, this fitness thing, I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge. I'm kind of fat, but I'm not huge. <laughs> but I'm figuring out what I'm going to do here. I started running when I was 40, and I ran for 15 years till I was 55. And I was very consistent with it, right? Very dedicated to it. I'd go out when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's raining, whatever, late at night. I'm going to get my runs in. But at 55, the joints are bugging me. I'm pulling this tendon every time I go out, get back spasm. I had to give that up. So three years now I haven't been running, but I haven't replaced that with anything. Play basketball once in a while at, up there at work. i got to figure this out for me too. All right, so the 2020 challenge. Let's be great. 
You got your card. Keep it where you can see it. Let's be great. Let's exercise some discipline towards being great. And these areas of our lives will improve, not just because we pray and ask God to improve them for us, but because we make a decision that we're going to honor Him with our lives through these disciplines. That's a very cool thing. It affects our individual lives, our family, and our community. And we'll finish up with this. I was this morning reviewing everything, thinking about it, and on the issue of finance, I thought, well, <clears throat> you guys, a lot of you are very faithful, very consistent, and anytime I present a special need, we have great response. And this family came to my mind, and then another family came to my mind. And so I feel compelled this morning that in addition to what you plan to give this morning, that those of you who can and will would give something extra that I'm going to share between these two families, okay? These are very legitimate needs. You have to trust me on it. I'm not going to share people's business. These are very legitimate needs, serious needs, family needs, and I want to challenge us as maybe our first little exercise of faith here today as we launch into the 2020-20 challenge to say, I'm going to bear the burden of family members by contributing something extra financially today and inspire and encourage and motivate them a little bit walking out of this door today. And uh, I just think that we're looking forward to a great year because I sense that you guys are on board with the word, with what's going on, with the challenge. And when we get to one word next week, it's going to line up with everything else we're talking about. It's not a separate deal. So your giving can happen at the back doors. Remember, if you need to get a one-word book, they're up here in this box. And I pray you'll have peace, power, provision, and protection throughout the week. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. And we thank you for your love, your care, your provision. Thank you for your challenges. Sometimes they're not easy to hear. Sometimes they just trample all over us. But, hey, we're submitted to your will, your authority, your word, your truth. We love you and we bless you. In your name we pray. Amen.